listening to another episode of the Coaster 101 Podcast. I'm Andrew Stilwell. I'm flying solo this week. We've got a little bit of a different formatted show than usual. Um, you may hear that I am driving right now. I'm actually on the uh, the road back between Keymont Boardwalk and Houston. I'm in Houston for work. Uh, before you say anything, I'm driving safely. I have two hands on the wheel, just recording. But... I want to talk the roller coasters of the Texas Gulf Coast region today. And, you know, it's Houston has a strong theme park history. Obviously, there was Six Flags Astroworld that closed in 2005, and they had nine roller coasters uh, when they did close. Um, but, the, you know, the Texas Gulf region, it's really mainly populated by two amusement parks. And I just... I. When I was down in Texas for work this week, I had the opportunity to visit both these parks, which are the Galveston Island Historic Pleasure Pier. Uh, if you're familiar with our website, which you should be by this point, coaster101.com, you'll see a small park showcase article that I wrote uh, after my visit to the Galveston Island Historic Pleasure Pier. I'm just going to call it Pleasure Pier from now on because that's a lot easier. Uh, my pleasure, my visit to the Pleasure Pier last week and you know I came to Texas again for work but I wanted to carve out some time because I'm not in this area of the country very much to ride some roller coasters and you know as soon as I landed at Houston I got my rental car and on Thursday I headed down all the way down to Galveston to the Pleasure Pier and my first stop and my first way to first coaster I wanted to ride was Iron Shark. And Iron Shark, uh, for those of you who don't know, it is a Eurofighter model from Gerslauer, uh, Ride Entertainment. I know they're uh, big fans of theirs. They obviously had a hand in bringing Gerslauer to the U.S. It was the fifth ever Eurofighter in the United States ever built. But Iron Shark at the Pleasure Pier, it opened in 2012, uh, just like the rest of the Pleasure Pier did. Every attraction there opened the opening year, and they haven't added anything since. But Iron Shark, it's a very unique ride. It packs a lot into a very, very small and compact footprint. Obviously, like most Eurofighters, it has that vertical lift. It has a beyond vertical 95-degree first drop. It tops out, I believe, at 55-ish miles per hour. Again, only 100 feet tall, and we're talking less than a quarter mile of track here. But somehow, in that quarter mile of track, which is contained entirely within the vertical envelope of the Pleasure Pier, you go upside down, uh, the ride... Pre-ride audio says four times. Roller coaster database says three times. I don't really know who to believe. You're moving too quickly to determine if you're actually upside down. Maybe they threw an extra dive loop or a cutback or something in there. I'm not exactly sure. But this coaster was a ton of fun. And, you know, when I got to the Pleasure Pier on Thursday, uh, I was... If you followed us on social media, you saw that we, uh, we were snake bitten a little bit by weather on uh, that that first day we were in Texas, um, I got to the park and, you know, the first thing when you get to a park that you never want to see is the following attractions are temporarily available and it's like boom, 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 Iron Shark. And it's the last thing on the list and I stand there and, you know, I, I'd driven 
over an hour from the Houston airport at this point, and I was like, I gotta know if this is the real deal. So I waited around a little bit, and there was there were clouds in the area, no lightning, no thunder, um, but I did ask a park employee, and she said it was closed for lightning in the area. Uh, makes sense. Obviously, if you don't know the location of the Galveston Pleasure Pier, it is literally situated on a pier above the Gulf of Mexico, right in the middle of a, uh, a tourist, like a tourism area beach. So there were families, you know, swimming in the or the, the Gulf. Um, they were just right there with everybody headed to the Pleasure Pier, um, but. As soon as I asked the employee and she said it was closed for lightning, I saw another employee with a set of wire clippers. Uh, she cut off the zip tie signs for the attractions that were closed for lightning. Obviously figured that was a good sign, went ahead and I paid for my uh, all-day ride admission, uh, Galveston Pleasure Pier. Obviously a little bit of a unique park. You have to pay a walk-on price. Um, it's $11 if you're over four feet tall. I don't understand why the walk-on price is different if you're not riding anything, but that's the way they do things. Um, but if you get a walk-on pass, you can't ride anything, so your options are buy uh, single tickets, single, you know, um, pay-per-ride admission tickets, which are obviously nice, or you can buy the all-day wristband. I wanted to ride Iron Shark at least twice. Uh, it was just about the same price to buy the walk-on pass and the two Iron Shark, you know, single ride tickets, as it was the all-day wristband, which includes that walk-on access. Uh, so I went ahead, got my wristband, went in the park, and it was all signs of a park that had temporarily shut down for lightning. Not a lot of rides moving. Uh, the ones that were, obviously, were some smaller children's attractions, and they've got a, a good little... They've got a great little park at Galveston Pleasure Pier. Uh, they've got 15 or 16 rides in that uh, space. It's only about 11,000 square feet, if I did that correct. 110, no, 110,000, math is hard. 110,000 square feet um, just along that pier that over the years has host, you know, played host to the uh, flagship hotel, which was damaged. It was all originally a Pleasure Pier uh, both hurricanes have uh, just wreaked havoc on that site, but uh, they've done very well the last 10 years with the Pleasure Pier. So I walk on, uh, you definitely kind of get that seaside park. I'm going to call it manufactured nostalgia because I've never really experienced it other than uh, watching it on shows like Rocket Power and things like that, where you have just this park over water that is on the beach, and I feel like those are becoming more and more of a rarity in the United States. Um, so it's really cool to check that out, but again, they had your classic carnival attractions. They had a swinging ship. They had a little small log flume. Uh, they had the Larson Loop Ring of Fire that, you know, enthusiasts we all love to hate, hate, and hate on. Uh, they had a Ferris wheel. They had a Sky Screamer, a Funtime Star Flyer, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, the main attraction, the reason we were there was Iron Shark. And after, you know, 30 minutes, I waited and waited it out. And I'm just kind of sitting there. They've got a nice covered bar. I had a uh, adult beverage while I waited. But I see motion. I didn't really have a, a view of the entrance from where I was sitting. But I heard a train on the lift hill. And my immediate thought was, let's go. 
So I immediately jumped in line, was able to get on the next train. There is only one eight-car train on Iron Shark, and it's a uh, Gerslauer Eurofighter, so you've got two rows sitting four across, uh, you've got a lap bar restraint, and that's it. So you're open to the elements for sure. And you ascend that 100-foot tall vertical lift, uh, you dive immediately, and again, you are not able to tell which way is up, but the ride, again, over in less than a minute. You're just constantly going, and I think it's got a double-figure eight layout or something similar to that. Um, but again, ton of fun. And I, one of these like smaller Eurofighter my, models, I'd never actually ridden before, so that was a really, really cool experience. Uh, hung around a little bit longer at the Pleasure Pier. Didn't ride anything else. I did ride Iron Shark that second time, so I did get my two rides. Uh, both of them were in the back row, which I'm not, I wasn't picky. That was just the seat that was available to me, so it was good to go. Um, but from Galveston Pleasure Pier, I did head up then uh, to Kima, Texas, which again is um, it's about 45 minutes north of Galveston Pleasure Pier, also located on the Gulf of Mexico. And we were, both of these parks, Kima Boardwalk, and the Galveston Pleasure Pier are owned by the Landry's Hospitality Company, who owns a couple of hotels, but most people probably know them for their restaurants. Uh, Joe's Crab Shack, Bubblegum Shrimp Company. There are a few other ones. You can Google Landry's Seafood or Landry's Corporation. They've got a big uh, holdings, but they do have these two amusement parks. Um, but I was, I was running a little tight on time, and I was trying to go up to Kima Boardwalk to ride Boardwalk Bullet, which is a Martin and Flemix uh, constructed gravity group uh, designed roller coaster. It's also got PTC trains on it, according to Roller Coaster Database. So we've got some heavy hitters in the industry here for sure. Um, it's got a really, really good reputation, and the fact that it's at a small seaside park that's owned by the same people who own Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, it's a lot, it reminded me a lot of Kentucky Rumbler at, um, reminded me a lot of Kentucky Rumbler at the park in Kentucky whose name it is escaping me right now, Beach Bend. It is, uh, it reminded me a lot of Kentucky Rumbler at Beach Bend, uh, just because it was this amazing, amazing wooden roller coaster that just kind of feels like it was built and then a uh, traveling carnival was built kind of around it and the carnival just kind of stayed around the big roller coaster. Um, but yeah, I've always heard really good things about Boardwalk Bullet and I really, really wanted to ride it. Again, unfortunately, was snake bitten by the weather that, weather that day. Um, it some thunderstorms had rolled through Kima um, as I was leaving uh, the Pleasure Pier in Galveston, driving up to Kima. And um, so, but again, like Kima, or like the Pleasure Pier, rather, it was a lot, it was a park that was reopening following a rain delay. You know, some of the rides, the carousel right at the, the front of the boardwalk, it was operating, and it was the only ride that was operating for a while. They weren't even selling tickets, but the attractions slowly were opening. Um, I watched the Boardwalk Bullet test for a while, which 
it's uh, it's a little frustrating watching a roller coaster test knowing you can't get on it. Uh, but it tested five, six, seven times and then stopped testing and didn't test anymore for you know a couple of hours or half hour or so. Didn't no movement at all whatsoever on the track. And you know, as a roller coaster enthusiast, you know that's never really the best sign. Um, I also had dinner plans that evening with past podcast guest Aaron Martinez, uh, formerly of Schlitterbahn Water Parks. Um, but he's down in this area, so he and I were grabbing dinner. I wasn't going to make him wait, and I was convinced that I was going to have to take this L on my Texas trip, and I'd have to come back. Uh, again, Boardwalk Bullet, a coaster I've always wanted to ride. Didn't really know a ton about other than it was a Gravity Group design coaster uh, with a really good reputation in the enthusiast community. Um, I have to come back again. But fortunately, um, again, mentioned here, I'm here on a work trip. Uh, I was able to grab a few hours to drive back from my hotel, which is north of Houston. Made the 90-minute round-trip drive, which I'm currently on the way back home from right now. And this, I was like, you know what? I'm here. I've got time. I might as well do it because I'm just going to regret it if I don't do it. Um, I tried calling the park to ensure that it was open. Uh, The park didn't answer, but fortunately for me, the Saltgrass Steakhouse, again, another Landry restaurant here. Uh, this whole Kemont Boardwalk is owned by the Landry Hospitality Group. Um, I called them and I said, you know, this is a really dumb question, but I couldn't get the amusement park to answer the phone, so I'm calling you guys. And I just wanted to make sure before I made this drive down that the Boardwalk Bullet is open. And they said, yeah, it's open. So I hopped in, hopped in the rental car, drove back down from Houston. Again, about 45 minutes, maybe a touch longer each way. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I've got a couple hours. The park closed at 9 tonight. I'm recording this right now. It is approximately 9.30. So I, I didn't have a super long window of time. But I pulled into the park about 8.15 and pulled into the park about 8.15, uh, saw it running, which was a good sign. I went over and I bought my paper ride ticket and I, uh, I got in line. Um, again, I was there. I kind of walked around. Boardwalk Bullet is a deceptively hard roller coaster to photograph, um, especially if you want some really good track shots without being kind of inside the uh, structure of the coaster itself. Um, I think Boardwalk Bullet is its a coaster, again, because it's not at a big big corporate park like a Six Flags or, you know, a Cedar Fair Park like that. It's a park, it's a coaster that can probably get a little overlooked, I think. And I think it's probably underrated for that reason. I don't know how many enthusiasts managed to get down to the Galveston, Hema, Houston area, especially it's now that Astroworld is no longer here. Um, but Boardwalk Bullet, ton of fun. Um, I waited for the front row, and they, as and any enthusiast will tell you, uh, we've got, it was one train operations, it was not moving particularly quick, um, but I waited for the front row, it was about a one train wait, waited about 15 minutes, and it was so, 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 so fun. And I just, it had everything that you've come to kind of know and expect 
for a gravity group coaster. It had the serious, it had the smooth bank turns, it had the curved drop, it had a lot of things that I really, really enjoyed about um, a lot of things that I really enjoyed on this coaster ride for sure. And I I can't. I think it is a roller coaster, while it does get really good reviews in the kind of the enthusiast community, um, I think it's slept on because, again, maybe not a lot of people have ride, ridden it. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of Ravine Flyer 2 at Waldemere. Again, a really, really amazing wooden coaster at a small park that not a lot of people, unless they're roller coaster enthusiasts or local to the area, are able to get to and able to ride and able to experience. And I feel like it's one of those... It's got to become a destination for enthusiasts just because it is so good. And, you know, I was on Twitter and Andrew Hyde, another past podcast guest, um, I you know I made some joke about how there, there are weird things you do in this hobby, like taking a 90-minute round-trip drive uh, while you're on a work trip just so you can get one ride on Boardwalk Bullet before the park closes. And he said, the ride's great, and he is absolutely correct. Um, it's another coaster. It's got so many head choppers and track crossovers, and again, you can't really tell the layout from looking at this coaster. So you see a lot of wooden structure from the outside, but you have no idea how many times it, it circles the, um, the track that you're on. You have this really cool moment where you fly by the station you fly by the station multiple times and fly by the station multiple times um, in multiple directions and it's just a ton of fun it was really 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 good and I can't recommend enough um, that Boardwalk Bullet it was well worth the uh, additional 90 minutes round trip drive so bravo to the Gravity Group Martin and Flemix and PTC, because those PTC trains were running super well, which was great. It was uh, a very exciting roller coaster experience, and definitely one that I would love to do again if I happen to get back to this part of the country. But again, Gulf Coast of Texas without work, I probably wouldn't be here because it's just not somewhere that I have a, you know a regular travel ability coming from North Carolina. No real desire to go here, but again, two really fun roller coasters, two really unique small parks. Um, I think, again, if you're a roller coaster enthusiast and you've you've gotten to the corporate parks in Texas, you've gotten your Six Flags, you've gotten to SeaWorld San Antonio, you've gotten to even ZDTs, which is right there in San Antonio to ride Switchback. Um, I don't think this area of Texas gets enough love from the roller coaster community and I know it's clear across the state from the National Roller Coaster Museum so there's a lot of really good roller coastering in Texas but with a state the size of Texas obviously um, these parks are hours and hours apart so I understand if it's not at the top of your list especially with other bigger corporate parks in the area but I think it is definitely a great opportunity and somewhere you should definitely check out if you're an enthusiast for sure. Um, 
I really appreciate anyone who is still listening. This has definitely been kind of a a non-traditional Coaster 101 podcast. It's definitely more of a stream of consciousness as Andrew drives on the Houston, Texas highway. Um, Again, being safe, uh, two hands on the wheel, hands-free operation here. But again, we're going to have something on the website. Uh, We've got the Small Park Showcase uh, for the Galveston Island Historic Pleasure Pier on Coaster101.com. We'll probably have something up in the coming days about Boardwalk Bullet because it is a coaster that deserves its own article. Um, there was a lot of really, really cool things that happened in the coaster, a lot of cool scenic elements. Not really scenic and theming, but, you know, it's not every day you see an overbank turn with the ocean in the background. So uh, we will have something written on Coaster101.com in the coming days. But that's going to do it for this mini-episode, stream of consciousness, however we want to call it, of the Coaster 101 podcast. Again, I'm Andrew Stillwell. But you got to follow us on all forms of social media. We are at Coaster101, anywhere you can consume the platform. Also have this aforementioned website, Coaster101.com. Um, make sure you're liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, uh, leaving us five-star ratings on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, we always love those. They help more people find the show than you really think, and we're continuing to grow our audience, which is always a good thing. Uh, coming up on 100 episodes of a Pandemic Project podcast, uh, nobody thought we would get there, myself included, and I'm the one who really hosts the show. So, uh, big thanks, as always, to Justin Mabry of JM Music Design for our theme music, and we will talk to you all again next week. See ya. Thank you.